Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. I have seven steps here that you can see, uh, seven steps to the harvest of your choice, and um, Dave Ramsey has his seven baby steps for finances. This is seven steps for a harvest. And uh, it can include finances, but it also includes everything else that God wants to do in your life. Okay, everybody got what you need? Have you brought your Bible with you today? I hope that you did get it ready. You're going to need it. So let's make our confession today. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, shout hallelujah. Amen, amen. All right, key in. What have you got to do to get yourself there? Look with me at our text of Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, as we get ready to begin here. Now, we're going to just pick up just a couple things that get us through the graph or the chart that you have in front of you. And this particular chart that I created a number of years ago and have used it quite often uh, in counseling sessions, uh, never taught it really in the church here out front, but uh, this is really just a giant counseling session. If you just come to church and you listen and you apply the Word of God to your heart and your life, you're probably not going to need anything kind of counseling because that's basically what this is, is a giant session every single Sunday that we do this. And so I developed this in helping people get things done in their life and making things happen. And uh, so from Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, my foundational text is, While the earth remains, and seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. What we have is a grouping of things that will never stop. They never end. It's an unfailing principle a unfailing law. You can't stop it from happening. I can't stop it from happening. I can't do anything to make it happen. God is the one that instituted this law, and it continues to this day. Notice the four things. Seed time and harvest, that's sowing and reaping. Cold and heat. We're always going to have cold and heat, no matter what they say to us over the, you know, the, the television time and time again, trying to scare you into thinking the world's about to blow up or this kind of stuff. Summer and winter is going to be there. Day and night shall not cease. There'll always be day and night throughout all eternity. All eternity there will be day and night. Now, in the holy city, New Jerusalem, there'll be no night there. For the glory of the Son of God will light that city. But on planet Earth and the rest of God's creation, as it now goes, 
it's, it's going to continue on with day and night, the scripture tells us. And so not an issue there. So all these things continue, they remain. If you're on planet earth, you can count on, I can do this and it will work for me. I remember many, many years ago, that uh, in a company I was working for, and the president of the company uh, got into uh, a multi-level sales company. And uh, at that point, they got in, and I was there in accounting and doing finances for them, all that kind of thing. And uh, they got me into it as well and uh, began to do some things there uh, in that business and began to speak for them and do things long before I was uh, preaching and teaching uh, at all and begin to do that with them and travel over different places, went different places and uh, taught, you know, all in the, uh, the upstate South Carolina primarily and those kind of things, uh, the plan that they had for the multi-level sales kind of thing. Now, the thing about it was the multi-level sales th- uh, company would work for some people and some people wouldn't. I mean, it was, it was just there. If you were in a circumstance where you had a lot of contacts and you were out in the public and you met people on a daily basis and you came up, up, across new people here and there then, and you were a salesman, then you could make multi-level sales work. But if you didn't, if you were you know, a stay-at-homer and, and you didn't get out and you weren't a salesman and you didn't like to talk, you, you don't need to be in that business. It's not going to work for you. But this plan here, that God's given us, it's not something I have to make happen. It ha- it's happening right now. It's happening all around us, and it's happening right inside of us, and it's happening every single day of our life. And so what I have to do is just look at the tuning of this thing, the structure of it, and see how what my input is doing on this thing that happens like it is. If you've ever ridden on a roller coaster, and the thing about it, the roller coaster, you know, it will go a certain speed. But when you're in a roller coaster, you're out of control of what speed it goes. There's some crazy wild man down there on the controls that are moving it and are speeding you up or whatever the case may be. Remember they had one many years ago at the beach, years ago, back when they had a beach, Myrtle Beach down there. And uh, you go down there and they had this thing called the swish bob that went round and round and round out there. And you get in it and this crazy guy was sitting there running the controls. You want to go faster. What did everybody do? Yay, we want to go faster. You want to go backwards. But whatever we wanted, it was all dependent upon what that guy at the controls did. God is at the controls. Now, you're going to have to determine how you want to ride this ride. Because it is happening, just like I've got it laid down on this yellow sheet. So, let's begin to look and let's begin to see. All right. God is a spirit. We've covered that. John chapter 4, verse 24. God is the spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is spiritual nature. And so when God speaks to you and speaks to me, it's going to come at a spirit level, not flesh and blood. It's coming in a spiritual fashion to your life. God is a spirit. Now, we saw that. We also saw that Satan himself works the opposite of spirit level. Satan works in the area of the flesh. We saw in Genesis chapter 3 that when Adam and Eve were tempted and the devil came to them, he did not come of a spiritual nature first. He's shooting for that to get their hearts. But he comes through the five senses of their life. We talked about that. But we saw that Eve said when she saw that the tree was good for food, something she enjoyed eating, it was pleasant to the eyes, flesh, eyes, desire to make one wise, you know, my my ego, those kind of things. She took all the fruit there and did eat and gave all the husband with her and he did eat. And so 
that devil comes at you through the flesh. He's always going to come at you through the flesh. God is always going to speak to you through the realm of the spirit. That, that's what praise and worship is about. When we come into the house, we want to shake off the world. And if you've been working 9 to 5 or 8 to 4 or in the midnight, whatever you've been doing this week, and you got mind, uh, you know, work on your mind, you got production you have to meet on your mind, sales you got to meet, you got projects, you got different things on your mind, you got to shake all that off. You got to get rid of that. If you've got family, other issues, things going on in your life, you've you got to get rid of that because you're coming into God's presence. And praise and worship is the avenue that we use to get ourselves into a spiritual realm with God so that God can speak to our spirit, like right now, through the Word of God, that God can speak to us. It's our tune-up session. That's what praise and worship is about. My devotional with Andrew Murray, who's a great devotional writer, talked about being in that secret place with God. And he talked about, you, you can look at the book of Matthew, chapter 6, it talks about when you give, don't give, let everybody see you when you pray. Don't stand up and let everybody see you praying in the marketplace. And go to your father and go in your closet and shut your door. Go in your closet, shut your door, pray to your father, which is in secret. And your father would see you in secret, he will reward you openly. And so you've got to develop that secret place relationship with God that place that I can hear him in the realm of the spirit. And you got to cut TVs off. You got to cut cell phones off and, you know, throw them down in the fish aquarium if you have to. Do whatever you got to do to get yourself in a place where it ain't nobody but you and God in your secret place. In the book of Psalms, chapter 91, we would dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. You make that decision through the secret place to dwell under his shadow. You are there with him. You hide away. Paul said it like this, that we are hidden in Christ. We are hidden in Christ, Christ in God. And so there's that relationship. Well, that's where you're going to hear from God, in the realm of the spirit. That's where you're going to hear him. When you, things get quiet, when you shut this world down, and the confusion that might be running through your mind, you, you got to tune it out, get rid of it, lay it aside, do that, and when you do, you can hear God speaking to you and your life. He's talking to you through your spirit. The devil, opposite, easy to hear from the devil because he comes up in the red, white, and blue out here, so to speak. He comes up where we can see everything with our eyes and our ears, and it's all there. It's easy to hear from him. He's talking to us through the flesh. We know about the flesh. We were born in the flesh. We got these five senses that feed it into our hearts and lives every single day. We know about the flesh. It's easy to hear from the devil. But for God, you've got to shut the flesh out and get in the realm of the spirit of who you are and listen to God, and he'll speak. So we saw that. We saw, second box at the top, God speaks his word into our heart. When God speaks to us, he's aiming at your heart of hearts, the center of who you are, not just the top of your head or that kind of thing or just a, a fly-by-night moment. But he's aiming for the center of who you are. And the Bible tells us in the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 15, that when the sower was sowing the word, there was some sown by the wayside, and where the word is sown, and when they have heard, Satan comes immediately, takes the word that was sown in their heart. Heart. God wants your heart, and he's speaking directly to the center of who you are. That, that's why it's so easy. Once you have a word from God, and God's spoken to your heart, it fills you from inside out. It's not hard to do what God wants you to do when you do that. Now, if you're saying, well, next time that door opens and I'll know that was God, or if God wants me to start tithing, let a big purple giraffe walk through the side of the house. 
you know, it, you know, it depends on the drought, depends on the door then, and you're in the flesh again. Now, you don't need all those things. That's why fleeces are not a New Testament thing. Gideon put out his fleece under the Old Covenant. When he said, you know, God, if this is you, let, let this thing be dry. If it's not, let it be wet. And, and he did that several times. We don't have to do that under the New Testament. A lot of Christians want to revert to that, but you don't have to do that. Because God speaks to your spirit. And when you're in spiritual relationship with God, it's easy to hear him. It's easy to understand what he's saying, and it's easier to obey him. Just like Sheila and I in our love relationship. If she comes to the house, or I come to the house, or this kind of stuff like that, or we see each other first time, uh, I can see her sometimes, and I'm going to say, hey, and she's saying, hey, whatever. And then I might say, what's wrong? And she hasn't said anything's wrong. But you know, because you live with her. I live with her, I know. She knows about me. You, you're like that when you live with somebody. You can sort of sense something's going on, something's happening. You know, it's like that with God. And that's the kind of relationship God wants us to have. And then when he does, he speaks that word into our heart. He sows a word from God. Everything starts in seed form. Your miracle out here, whatever it might be, starts in a seed form. The word is sown in your heart. But now notice also in Mark 4 verse 15, when that word is sown, Satan comes immediately to steal the word. Now, how's he going to steal that word? Remember how he works, through the flesh. God speaks something to your heart, and then what the devil does comes immediately and says, yeah, but look at that. Look at it. Look at it, Lynn. Or I say, well, thank God, you know, I'm healed. I believe God, I'm healed in my body, and I went through this, went through that, and I'm believing God, I'm healed. And then the devil will come, give you an ache or pain, and say, but what about your body, Leon? What are you going to do about that? You know, my question, I ain't about it. That's, that's God's job there. I, all I know is I'm healed. Well, no, you can't know that, the devil's say. You can't know that. You can't know that. You got pain in your body. You can't do that. You got pain in your body. No, no, no. Listen to the pain, Leon. No, I'm not listen to the pain. I'm not moved by what I see or what I feel or what I hear. I'm moved only by the Word of God. Everybody say, I am moved only by the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Now, now, and now that Word that says that Christ has brought healing to me, that word, if I let it go and go back to listen to my body again, then what happened? The devil stole that word out of my life. He stole it out of my heart. How? With the flesh. With the flesh. Say the same thing about debt. You can look at your checkbook and say, wow, I see it's in the red and all this kind of stuff. And you can be talking about that. And you say, well, I believe God provides all of my needs. He supplies all of my needs. And in the name of Jesus, my bills are paid. My debts are paid. And God has made me rich. God's made me wealthy. And God's made me a millionaire. God's made me all these kind of things. And you can sell that. And then the devil say, well, look at your checkbook. He wants to get you back looking at something, seeing something, thinking something. Now, don't write checks for money you ain't got, okay? But at the same time, we're not going to dwell on that. We're not going to let that come. We're moved only by the word of God. And not by what I see. The devil uses the flesh to try to get things out of you. And, and you have to recognize that. You, you have to, in your heart and your life, pay attention to how that works. Uh, in relationships. You can be in a relationship, as a husband and wife relationship, whatever the case may be, and, you, and you're in a, that is the only case, <laughs> or you're single. So you, you can be in that relationship, and as a husband or a wife, there might be some other person out there, and you have a commitment that you made to your husband and wife that you're going to be in relationship with them and them only, but that don't stop the rest of the world from going around, right? And where you work, that don't stop the guys walking up to the girls, so to speak, and the girls walking up to the guys nowadays, but it don't stop the guys walking up to you and in the classic, you know, words of the world hit on you or, you know, make some offers towards you or say, wow, boy, you really do look nice today. 
I wonder why they're saying that. Because I do look nice, you might think. You might think. But there goes that ego. There goes that flesh on the inside. There it goes. And they're trying to turn that button. Or, you know, the same thing for the guys, you know, or, or girl, you know, young lady, whatever, might be out there in your life and she's pretty or beautiful, whatever the case might be. And that's, that's the way it works. And uh, the devil will come through that flesh trying to tempt you, trying to draw you aside, trying to draw you out of your marriage covenant, trying to draw you away. And you have to, have to learn. You have to make a decision. You have to make a decision to follow God and follow his word. In that particular example that I've just brought up, recognize this. If you are a man or a woman, God built you with a desire for the other one. Right? And the Bible said that in the book of Genesis chapter 1. He gave men and women dominion, and first thing he told them to do was go replenish the earth. So God creates this earth, and he puts these man and woman on it, and it's their job to replenish it. God, God created this earth, and what he does, I mean, he causes the sun to collect the, you know, the, the water off of the sea and off of the lakes and bring it and put it on the dry ground and water it. He's got a system that goes around like that in the environment. He has a cleanup system. I'm so amazed of it. Uh, the original, he's not a woman, but there used to be a song called The Cleanup Woman, but he's a cleanup God. And he started years ago when God created all these things. Things, you can see it. You can see it on the road. You can see an animal down the road. In a few days, the, the, the atmosphere will rot and decay that animal. Birds of prey, wolves, other things like that, animal will come and eat it up. And in a few weeks, that thing's gone. He's got a cleanup system for his, a tree that is a, big and alive and green and producing can die and fall on the ground. And years later, it's gone it rotted away it, it's absolutely gone god created this earth to do certain things he created men and women to desire each other he did that because he said i want this earth populated and he knew that men didn't always do what he wanted him to do so he put that desire in men and women to make it happen and so as a christian you, you i've talked to young men like this sometimes you, you can never pray and never should pray for that desire to go away Pastor, I young guys said, Pastor, I, I desire young women. You should. You should. Everybody say, you should. Thank God. You're normal. You're not gay. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, if you said you desire young men, we'd have a problem. But the other side, you do. But what God tells us is, so he places, and he expects you and I to make decisions that are quality and good for us as believers that we share only certain parts of our life with our spouses. Nobody else. Nobody else. And when we make that decision, we have a wonderful marriage and are able to express our desires within the confines of that marriage. And so you have to, it, it, so it's, not, it's like that in your thing. There's all kind of options for you out there. You, you can do anything you want to do, but still you have to make a decision what you're going to do and how you're going to align yourself up with the Word of God. And, and that's what this is about. So God gives you the Word, Satan comes tries to steal it. That's what happened. We looked at that. We saw that. Now, look over into, let's go to Mark chapter 16. Bump there with me real quick. What happens is this in the decision-making process. Here it is. Mark 16 and verse 15. Jesus said, and he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every one of us today are hearing this message. I'm doing my very 
best to deliver it faithfully, truthfully, with integrity, based on God's word. And so all of us are hearing this today. We're here, every single one of us. But you know, I know that the different ones of us will do different things with it. Some will say, I got to go eat. I wish he'd quit talking right now so I can go eat. <laughs> Some people say, well, that's all right, but I don't guess it'll work for me. Others say, hey, you know what? I found the secret. I know what it is. Now I can do it. I'm going to apply it my life. I'm going to live on this word. How many going to be that person? Everybody say, amen. amen. That's going to be you. All right. Preach the gospel to every Everybody gets it thrown out to them. The word is out there. The net has been cast. Everyone will get us. Now, verse 16, here's how it works. He that believes and is baptized be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. In other words, the gospel is preached to every creature, and then it's up to every creature to believe or not believe. And depending on which one you do believe or not to believe, you're blessed or you're damned. I mean, I could pray for you all day long. Uh, you could call up every prayer group all across America to pray for you. And if you make a decision to be damned, we can't get you undamned. If you make a decision to be blessed, we can agree with you and praise God with you and thank God for the blessings you're walking into. But we can't go against your will that you have. God gave you that choice from the garden with Adam and Eve, and it's always been here on planet Earth. You still have it today. And so it's your choice you can do. And, and so when God is speaking his word to your spirit, you have a choice to believe it or not. When the devil is speaking to you on the lower level through the flesh, you have a choice to believe it or not. Either one. When you make that choice, the rest of these steps play out in succession. They continue on once you make that choice in your life. Either way, you're going to make it to the top side. Notice the top side. Faith in God's word or not being moved by circumstances. Easiest way I know how to say it. Bottom side, faith in Satan's word, little letter word, or doubting God's word. Top side, faith in God's word or not being moved by circumstances brings what? Spirituality, spiritual. It's a spiritual thing that's happening. It's good. It's prosperity. It's blessed. That's what you have there. Go to the bottom side. Following through the flesh, what do you have? It's fleshly. It's bad. Poverty. Cursed. All those things are there. And so those are the outcomes of what's happening. It's your choice at this third block here when you receive the word, capital word or little letter word for the flesh, when you receive it, it's your choice which one of those you go with. At that point, you have set this thing up and put it on automatic to go to the rest of the way. Okay? That's why it's so vitally important for you to make your choices in life, make them cut clean and make them real for your life. Stick to it. Stay determined. Don't let up and continue on and be thou found faithful even unto the end, as the Scripture tells us. All right. Now then, let's go to Romans 10 and verse 17. Romans 10, verse 17. Scripture tells us, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. What happens when you hear God's Word and you make a choice to receive that word, what happens to you? At that point of hearing the word, faith begins to arise in your heart, in your life. You begin to believe, I can do this. You begin to believe, this will happen for me. You begin to believe that this is not just for, you know, special people in the world, but this is mine. I have it now, as Kenyon taught us years ago. You begin to believe those things in your life. Faith is born. Faith in your life, I know it will work. I know it will happen. I know it, I can do it. 
Or Robert said many years ago, you have to know that you know that you know that you know. Faith is born. It's that undying quality in your life that does not see an alternative. All it sees is, I can. All it sees is, I have it. All it sees is, this works. I mean, there's no alternative plan. You know, you know. And I've shared with before, I won't go into it again, but in September of um, 1982, when we founded the church, and after the, that three-day fast on that Saturday morning, God spoke to my heart. I never doubted after that about starting the church. Never, never. A lot of people tried to make me doubt. A lot of people did. People that loved me and cared about me tried to make me doubt. Other people, you know, gave me two weeks, and they gave me this and gave me that, and other people offered me other alternatives. And, and the group that I was with at the time offered me three other pastors. They said, won't you go over here and do these three things? I, I said, well, I, I would. Oh, that's wonderful. Great. But this is what God's told me to do. And I know I have faith. I believe this will happen. What if it don't? I haven't considered what it don't. What you going to do if it don't work? I haven't even thought about that. Faith is that real. I don't have to sit here and think about whether I've got a hand or not. We all know I've got one. I've got one. It's there. I don't even think that I have it. I have it. It's part of who I am. Faith is like that. It becomes real in your heart and your life. It becomes part of who you are and you know. That comes off of the word once you make a decision to believe the word. Remember, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 4 that the word preached did not profit everybody because they did not mix faith with them that heard it. And so you can have the same gospel, same word preached to everybody. You've got to make that decision. I'm a believer. Everybody say, I am a believer. Say this. Say, I'm not a doubter. I'm a believer. Say this. Say, therefore, I'm a receiver of the things of God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And they speak that to yourself. Talk it to yourself. Speak it to your life. All right. Now then, when we think about this faith issue here, faith comes by hearing here by the word of God. How are we going to apply the rest of this? So what are you talking about, just faith? Well, certainly we're talking about faith for salvation. And that's, that's the first place you exercise your faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. And it talks about the faith that God has given is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. That's, that's how we came to God, through faith. And so certainly there. But there's other places, too, in, in Scripture that we can look at and we can see them. You, you can look back to 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And so if I miss the mark, when I have, how many of you have ever missed the mark? Say amen. I mean, after I've gotten saved, I missed the mark. I don't know. It's been tons of times. I hope not. But I've missed, I've missed the mark a few times over the years for sure. And what did I do? I come to God and ask God for forgiveness. Because the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so what do you do after you ask forgiveness? You walk away from that prayer that after you've asked forgiveness, thank you, Lord Jesus, I've been cleansed of all unrighteousness. I continue in my righteousness for God, and I am what God says I am, and no longer will I let any of that battle against my mind to give me inferiority complex, condemnation, no. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. There's those who in Christ Jesus walk not after flesh, but after the spirit. And so, you know, all those things play in our lives. We make the decisions. Well, faith comes by hearing. Hearing. So what is it? If I walk away and I say, well, I prayed and I didn't feel like I was forgiven. Then what you need to do is not necessarily, again, you are unique. But still, not necessarily do you need to go back and pray again. You probably need to go back and say, 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Leon, 1 John 1 and 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Therefore, you are forgiven, boy. Let it go. Somebody say, let it go. Let it go. 
You say, well, I don't feel like letting it go. What do I do then, Pastor? Go back to 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Leon, you are cleansed from all unrighteousness. You have confessors. It's over. It's done. In Jesus, stand on that word. Leon, what if I still don't feel like it? Do I pray again? Do I cry and scream? Do I beg and... No. I go back to 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And what happens is faith comes by hearing, hearing, and I'm hearing the word of God, and all of a sudden, I'm forgiven. I've received in Jesus' name. My, I, there's no sin against me anymore. I've been made free by the blood of Christ. Thank you, Lord, I'm forgiven. How? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so if you have an issue, don't, don't go past it and say, well, I guess I must be a special person. God's just trying to punish me. You know, all that weird stuff, that's the devil talking to you. That's the devil. Well, you're just not worthy. That's the devil talking to you. Now, are you worthy? I'm worthy. None of us are worthy on our own, but Jesus made us worthy, thank God. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I am worthy. By his blood. And so all that flesh stuff that tries to come up against you, you're going to have to push it aside with the Word of God. Stay with your commitment that you decided to believe the Word. If not, if not, you're going to live a life of woe is me, live a life of I just feel so bad today. Somebody said, pray for me. Oh, God, help me. You'll live those kind of lives. And I'm not saying that we don't have issues in our life, that sometimes you need prayer, and sometimes life can hit you very hard. I understand that. But that should not be the Christian's lifestyle. That should not be the way we daily live our lives. I mean, you are worth more than that. Jesus proved it when he died for you and me on the cross. And so, anyway, faith comes by hearing. You, you could say the same thing for, for healing. Healing your body, we talk about well, Exodus 15, 26. God says he's the Lord that heals us. He is Jehovah Rapha. That is his name in, in Hebrew. He is our Jehovah Rapha, and he is the Lord God, our physician, our great physician. He's the Lord God, our healer. That's who he is. And so I, I keep saying that. I don't say like some people in the world say. My goodness, it blows my mind to hear people say something like that. I, I heard one person preaching one time and went to visit him, and uh, he was doing a praise and worship conference, that kind of thing, and he was playing the piano. And he said, now, y'all, excuse me while, while I'm, I'm playing here. He said, I might have a little difficulties uh, with, with my throat and that kind of thing. And uh, he said, uh, he said I've been coughing a lot and had a sore throat and I don't know. He said, I've been sort of believing for prayer, but sometimes I just think God just sort of puts things like this on me to slow me down a little bit, and uh, that's just God's way of causing me to pull aside and take a rest. I stood up, puked, throat up, gagged, and everything else when I heard that. But no, 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 no. Why would God use anything from the devil that Jesus paid for you to receive and say, we're not going to say the cross is effective in your case? Not this time. The cross works for everybody else, but not for you. Cross works for everything, but not for sore throats. Cross works for everything, but not cancer. G cross works for everything, but, but not, you know, any issue of life that you might have. No. The cross works for it all. We sung that song years ago, Jesus paid it all. Every bit of it. Somebody say amen. amen. He did. He paid it all. And so what do you do? You stay in the word. You stay in the word, and you stay in the word, and you stay in the word until you believe it. You stay there. You stay there until you believe it. And sometimes, like Andrew Murray talked about, it takes getting that, that secret place with just you. Nobody else but just you and God. 
That's where it's happening at in your own spiritual life, in your own heart. You and God, that's where it's happening. All right to call for others to pray. Bible teaches us that. All right to be in a, you know, a unity meeting like this here. Praise all right to all those things. But none of this works if each individual hasn't found their place before God. You've got to do it. Got to do it. Okay. So then, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. Notice this. For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because... Because when you receive the word of God, you received it, or you've heard of us, you received it not as of the word of men, which, not the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Notice where the word works at. The word don't work for everybody. The word works for believers. You must believe the word of God for it to work. So that word that you get, you have to be sold on. What do we do to we say about just salesmen out there? You find a person that is sold on a certain automobile, he can sell that automobile. You find a person that's just selling because he's trying to make a living, he can't sell quite as good as the one that sold on it. It's like that when you believe in your product. It's easy to talk about it. It's easy to tell others about it. It's easier to live within it and around it. That's how it happens. But if you don't believe in it, you don't believe in it. It's a tough road for you to hoe at that point. And, and so here, notice the word works effectually in those that believe. So my key is I have to be a believer. You've got to be a believer. I'm, and how does that happen? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The more you hear the word of God, the greater your faith will rise up in on the inside of you. When we first got saved in, in October of 1975, in those days it was a different world than the world that we live in today. Most people around were pretty, I don't know, reasonable, you might say, solid people. I, I hesitate to use the word good, but most people seem to be good people. I mean, there's a, a few rats and louses around, you know, like there are and everything. But by and large, the rats and louses knew they were doing wrong. I mean, they understood that. But when we got saved, we had to renew our minds. One of the things that we got hooked up with out of Atlanta, Georgia, was a company, and it was called God's Lending Library. And God's Lending Library, what they would do, you could send that, your name and address, and they'd have a listing of tapes. How do you know the list and go on the internet and get it? No. You had to write them a letter, stick a stamp on it, take it to the post office, wait for three or four days for them to get it. They had to put in that, that list of the tapes they had and send it back to you. So a week to ten days later, you're waiting for it to come back. Not anything like email. Not anything like texting. Most of us don't even use email anymore. Not anything like texting or that kind of thing. And, and so we had to do that. And we did. We got the list back. And I said, wow. I said, everybody, I love. Here they are. And I saw on there. And I said, there's Charles Capps. I love him. I said, that's Fred Price. I, I, I've heard about him. I love him too. And, and, and there is somebody. Brother, Brother Copeland. I see him. Brother Hagen. And, and what we would do, they would send you two cassette tapes out. And they would send them to you. And you would listen. Everything's free. And you would listen to them. You would send the tapes back and tell them two others you want, and they'd send you two more. That's pretty hard to do when you've got a six-tape series on something, you know. You're right stuck in the middle, but anyway. And we did that, and we'd play those things around, and they didn't care. We played them around the clock, and I started going out of Radio Shack, buying cassettes, and putting them on my cassettes. 
And so I sent theirs back and copied. I'd build me a cassette library. I still got some of those. And I'd build me a cassette library. I mean, everything. I'd getting it all. And, and, and we just, you know, wanted to fill ourselves with the Word of God. And, and we learned later that there was a place in Greenville, South Carolina called Pools Catalog Showroom. And they, in addition to selling all the things they sold, they sold individual books by one writer that I got introduced to in that day, E.W. Kenyon, and they did all the Copeland stuff, all the Hagen stuff, all the Jerry Savelle stuff. They did anything, and the faith guys, I call them. They did all the faith guys, and so, and they sold them at almost ridiculous prices. And, and, and so we would make our trips to Greenville, and we would buy those books, and we would listen to those books, and wow, just to get one book, and we would work and do what we had to do and didn't make much money. And I'm wondering, you know, I said, I guess I need to send these some money back with cassette tapes. Maybe I send them a dollar, you know, that pay for the shipping come back to me. Or when I buy these books and I got some of the books today and the price is, say, 76 cents or 84 cents or 90 cents. And I said, well, let's just buy three of them this week. Maybe we can get a couple more next week. You know, I've been there. Have you ever been there? Somebody say amen. Now, now we own everything in the world that any of those guys have ever printed, preached, taught, everything. It, we own it all. We, we bought it all. But in those days, we didn't, and we were paying the price for it, for it to be in our lives. But what was happening? We were building faith in our lives. And the more we turned off secular television and secular radio and played that stuff in our ears, and the more we listened to it and the more we read it, the more our faith grew. And as our faith grew, we began to believe that we could do anything with God on our side. How many believes that? Say Amen. It's so vitally important for you to be here this morning, but also don't just stop here. Hey, I'm not jealous at all. Don't just stop here. The rest of this week, you need to be filling yourself with the Word of God every single day this week. I mean, the Southwest Believers Conference just ended like last week or so. And so there's all kind of options for you. Now you can watch the reruns. You can see it all. I said, on if you got it. Get your Roku, get you some kind of things in your house where you can flood yourself with the Word of God because it's going to determine where you're going to be. You're going to be at the top, spiritual good, prosperity blessed, or you're going to be at the bottom, fleshly bad, poverty cursed. If the world is feeding you, and it does, it feeds me and you both, it feeds all of us. The world feeds us all on that lower level. Flesh, 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 flesh. I mean, your body, there's a certain amount of things your body has to have from the, from the world. You've got to eat or your body's going to die. And, but at the same time, we've got to control what we eat, Right? And so, so there's lessons in both sides of that. But, but we, you know, we're going to do certain things. But you've got to make some controls and decisions. Okay. So the, your faith comes, and it effectually works in the believer. If you don't believe, go back to page one again, so to speak. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, in Mark chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said it like this. He said to them, take heed what you hear. You need to cut some things out of what you hear in two. Take heed. If anybody has learned anything in the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you, you should have learned this. You can't trust anything that the news media tells you. Somebody say amen. I mean, you know, I don't trust any of them. You get these polls, and they call, and you say, where do you get most of your news from? I said, I do researching, and I do reading, and I do things like that. But I don't get my, used to when I grew up, we got our news from one of three places, ABC, CBS, or NBC, right? I mean, every night at 6 o'clock. But now they bombard you all day long with news. Not only that, everything is, what do they call it? A shocking alert. My God, you can't move now. You've got to hear what they're going to say. And all you find out is somebody painted a dog blue or something. I mean, that was it. That was the alert. That was what you had me wait for. 
and they tell you all this kind of stuff. And so you need to take heed what you hear. Why do you need to take heed what you hear? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you hear the wrong long enough and consistently enough, you will begin to believe the long wrong and when you believe the wrong you will talk the wrong when you talk it you will act on it when you act on it you'll get the harvest of the wrong and so you cannot afford to feed yourself negative thinking you can't afford to feed yourself sinful thinking you can't afford to feed yourself doubt and unbelief preaching oh lord i, I have some wonderful people that i have met i'm not gonna call my name because a good person for the most part, but I have some wonderful people that I have met that some of you watch on television as you see them, and, and wonderful people, wonderful Christian people, one of the most humble for, persons I know, uh, big guy, and humble, just nice as he could be, he spent time with me and with him, and good good guy, nothing wrong with him, he's wonderful, but but he's so full of doubt and unbelief that, that if you listen to that, all you're going to do in life is, I guess you You'd be born because somebody else got you here born. But other than that, you don't do a lick for nothing. And if God wants you to have it, you'll have it. If he don't want you to have it, you won't. And you know what? I mean, it's just not anything in the world. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to confess. You don't have to pray. You don't have to seek God. You don't have to do nothing. And if God wants you to have it, it's just there. Good man, nice gentleman, but wacko doctrine. And so, so you got you got life don't work that way. Life just does not work that way. You've got to do things in life. How many cut your grass last week? Did anybody cut your grass last week? We skipped a week last week. We had, we've got a big one tomorrow. But how many know if you don't cut it, all the weeds are going to come up? Did you know that? Leave it alone and see what happens to it. Leave it alone. This earth is built to recapture and retake your house and your land. Leave it alone 10 years. Leave it on 50. Leave it on 100 years. Go back and see if you can find a house still there. Um, this earth is built to take it over. And so the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And we have to take it. Glory Copeland always say, take it. Take it by force. Got to do it. All right. All right. So then, take heed what you hear. Don't let just anything come into your heart or your life. It's just almost as important here as it is what you hear. It's cutting out some things that you hear. Well, so-and-so said this is all right. Well, I remember, you know, you can't listen what everybody, the, the first spanking I got in school, I said the first, the first of many, of many, all deserved. Everybody don't have a sense of humor. But anyway, at school. And so anyway, we're sitting in the third grade. Mrs. Cannon is her name. She's a wonderful lady. I love her. But Mrs. Cannon was her name. And we were in the uh, cafeteria, and me and a friend of mine were sitting there, He's sitting one end of the table. I'm at the other end. Other kids around. Leon, pass me the salt. I said, pass you the salt? They said, yes, pass me the salt. I got the salt like a football. Look both ways. Unbeknown to me, they had screwed the lid almost off of the salt. And so when I went, salt went everywhere. That whole thing was empty by the time I got to the other end. Mrs. Cannon I love Mrs. Cannon. She came down to the table we're at. She got me and my friend Richard and asked us what happened, bent both of us over the chair there and popped us good right there. I love Mrs. Cannon. <laughs> my mother figure, my mother figure. But anyway, and she did straighten us out. But I learned then, you can't do what everybody tells you to do. 
You can't do what everybody tells you to do. And you can't listen to everything everybody tells you because you'll start believing it if you keep on listening to it. You can be in a family, a family that's got issues and problems and circumstances in a family, and you can grow up thinking that you're not worth anything. Why? Because that's what they always told me. That's how they always treated me. If that's your case, what has happened to you? You've been poured into you for years. Things that hurt you and harmed you and made you feel bad and all those kind of things. And you've got to get rid of that. Speaking right now today and those past memories and go on to the new thing that God is saying in your heart in your life now. The healing word that God has for you. Fill your life with those kind of things. And so some things you have to cut out. If you don't, it'll keep controlling your life because this thing's on automatic. Once you start hearing it, keep hearing it long enough, you're going to start believing it. It's just going to happen that way. Okay, look with me. Look with me. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. What happens then? When faith is born in your heart, what do you do with it? When you believe something and faith is there and you know something, what are you going to do then? The next thing that's going to happen by itself, it's going to happen. And we'll put the emphasis on it because we want to walk in faith. But you begin to confess what you believe. Whatever you believe, you will confess it. Somebody said, do I have to? Forget that. You will. Sooner or later, you're going to start saying what it is you really believe. You'll start speaking it, and you'll start saying it. When you do that, your words, as the Bible says, the book of Mark, the sower sows the words, or sower sows the seed, the seed is the word of God. When you do that, Luke 8 as well. And so when you do that, you are planting seeds with your mouth. We talked about that four or five weeks ago. You're planting seeds with your mouth. That's what you're doing based on what you believe. You're speaking what you believe. You believe what you heard. You either heard from God in the realm of the spirit or you heard from the devil in the realm of the flesh. You're, you've heard it. You're believing it. And now you're speaking it. Now, look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 13. We have the same spirit of faith as according as it is written. Don't go to the Bible and say, oh, but that was Joshua. Oh, but that was Moses. Oh, but that was Ezekiel. Oh, but that was Elijah. Oh, that was somebody else. No. You have the same spirit of faith. Everybody say, I have the same spirit of faith. I have a spirit of faith. It's just a natural thing. It follows me around like that little, what's this boy's name, Linus? Who is it? Charlie Brown? That little boy carrying around that blanket all the time. And a dust storm is walking around with him. Everywhere he goes, right? That's me, but my dust storm is a spirit of faith storm. We have a spirit of faith. Think about it like that. It surrounds you everywhere. According as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoke. You speak what you believe. You will speak what you believe. You will, before long, say it. How many of you ever heard somebody say it? If I hold my mouth any longer, I'm going to explode. Because you've got something to say, right? I can't help it. I've got to say it, they'll tell us. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to have my say. See, we know that happens in the realm of the natural. You're going to speak what you believe. You're going to say it. When you do, that's your seed being planted. Look what he said. We have the same spirit of faith as it is written. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. We do it too. Everybody say, me too. That's you. I'm the me too. When it says we, he's talking about me. That's the we too in there. Well, we could take that principle. 
I've got it written just below you. Mark 11, verse 23, that Jesus gave us. That got so many miracles in people's lives over the years. Mark 11, verse 23, For verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say into this mountain, we begin to speak to our mountains in our life. Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Oh, the thousands of times that I've quoted that verse in my life. I've said it to my body when I suffered sickness. I said it to my finances when I was down and out. Wasn't Beverly Hills either. But when I was down and out. Said it to every issue about no in the name of Jesus. No. The Bible says I can have what I say. And if I, what I say is what I believe. And the only way I believe it is I got it off the word of God. And so the word was given. I got faith from the word. And now I believe it. And now I say it. And body, you're going to have it in Jesus' name. You're going to have it in the name of Jesus. I have it and I have it now. Well, you say, well, I don't necessarily feel that strong about something I'm talking about. Go back to the word once again. Remember Mark 11, 23. Here's the thing they couldn't get away from. Back in 1980s, the early 80s, people talked about this. What, what happened? If you follow church history, you don't have time to go all through it. But if you follow church history, you can see a lot of things that happened. But, but basically, throughout the early 60s, go back to the 50s and 40s, uh, late 40s and 50s, you'll see what we call the healing move in America. And then you move past that into the 60s, and you'll see what we call the charismatic move throughout the 60s. And then you'll see the late 60s, you'll begin to see uh, Word of Faith movement really take hold where people are teaching and preaching the Word of God. And that was going out through the 70s very strongly. And then early in the 80s, what happened, you had all the adversaries come against it, and they blamed it, and they used these words, hyper-faith. Don't get into this hyper faith. I heard that and I said, wait a minute now. Too much faith? Don't, don't be concerned about it. I hadn't hardly met anybody with too much faith in the first place. But hyper faith? I want hyper faith. When they said that about me, I said, hey, that's what I want. If y'all don't want it, y'all you know, let go of y'all's give it to me because that's what I want. I want hyper faith. I want hyper love. I want hyper everything God's got. I really do. I mean, if it's God, I want it. I want all, somebody say, I want it. I mean, if he's got it for me, I want it. I want it. That'd be like somebody walking in, it's your birthday, and they brought up this beautiful coconut or chocolate cake. Well, I'll just have a taste. No, you won't. You're going to eat that big old slice and make sure, now save half of it for me, take home and freeze. Yeah, you're not going to do that. But when it comes to faith, oh, don't, don't get carried away now with this faith business. You're getting carried away now. You done went off on the deep end now. So they'll say. That's what those religious people say that kind of, but what brought me back to reality was this i didn't say that you can have what you say jesus said it and jesus said whosoever shall say in its mountain be thou removed and be thou cast the shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have what he saith and so if you're going to argue with me fine i don't care your argument really is with jesus he's the one said it and as long as it's still in the Bible and we still have Bibles that haven't been tampered with or messed with, it's still there. It's still God's Word. And it'll be God's Word if they believe it. It'll be God's Word if they don't believe it. If they get it, it's God's Word. If they don't get it, it's God's Word. It is God's Word all day long. It's God's Word at night. It's God's Word when you're sick, when you're broke, when you're problems. It's still God's Word. When you're on the top of the mountain, you've got blessings in your life. It's still God's Word in your life. It ain't changing for you, me, me and you might be on this earth. I don't know, 100, 120, 50,000 years. I don't know. How long will be here? It was God's word for you got here. And it'll be God's word when you leave this place. It'll still be God's word. Ain't no changing it. 
He don't change it. So when the, so when the naysayers and the doubters and unbelievers and skeptics, they think that, and then they came out this thing, well, you just didn't blab it and grab it. I said, well, I don't particularly use those particular words, but that is what it says. I said, so I'm okay with that. They said, nah, you ain't just name it and claim it. I said, well, yeah, I did name it. I, I did say I wanted to have thousands and thousands of dollars a week coming to our church. I did say that, and, and, I, and I did claim it, and now we got it, but, you know, I guess. And they'll say something, oh, that stuff don't work. I had one guy, this guy was a seminary professor. He argued me. He argued me like no one, he, he said this. He said, eh, don't work, it don't work, it don't work. And every time he said no, I said, I got it, I got it, I got it. Too late. Everybody say, too late. Somebody say, I got it. It's too late to say it don't work. That's crazy. We got it. We're still licking on our ice cream. And over there, they're wishing they had one, right? And I got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. Well, that's what he said. Right, stick with it. Stick with it. Well, I'm about to shut her down. Look at James chapter 2. James 2. Real faith that is born in the heart and speaks and confesses will always act on what you confess. If you only confess it, if you only say it, then the world is right in their assessment of, well, talk is cheap. It is. You can say anything. Talk is cheap. But not talk that is based on what you believe, that is based on the word God spoke to you. The word, believe, and then we speak it. So we're not just jumping every other box and going only to talk. And we think that by our much, you know, ramblings or speakings, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, of vain things that we are saying that will get something. You don't get anything that way. It's not just talk, 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 talk. Oh, I know if I just keep saying it, saying it, saying it. No, not alone. Not alone won't do it for you. You've got to have the rest of it based on the Word of God. Believing the Word of God, speaking the Word of God is a different category than just grabbing something out of there and say, I got it, I got it, I got it. Big, big difference. And when you speak the word of God that you were given, that you believe and you speak it, you will begin to act on it. If you do not act on it, that's the first sure sign that you didn't believe it. Didn't believe it. Look at James chapter 2. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. In other words, faith only and really, you've got to really understand this passage. But if James is talking about that. You're just saying you believe. That kind of faith. Mental assent. The way Brother Kenyon talks about it. Where you just agree in the mind, but the rest of you don't. Well, you don't expect me to actually live by this, do you? Or like the little boy asked his daddy's preaching, Daddy, was you telling the truth this morning or are you just preaching? And so it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not that. It's not that. Real Bible faith is only real Bible faith when you have acted on it. Because faith without works is dead being alone, alone, alone. You can read the past. That's one time, verse 17. If a man say that he has faith, I have works, show me your faith without your works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God, you do well. But the devils also believe and tremble. 
See, believing without acting on it is not Bible faith. Well, I believe, I believe. We could come here and, and quote some, some creeds are good, some of them are not too good. But we could quote the Apostles' Creed or some other creed and say these things we stand by, we believe. That, that, I guess that's okay if you've got a good foundation. That's, that's okay. But just to say it and walk out and live your life like you never said it, there's no faith there. There's no faith there. And so, notice, but will you not know, verse 20, O vain man, faith without works is dead. Two times, twice, James, the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, has now told us twice, you think you got faith? You ain't got it if you're not acting on it. Faith without works is dead. What about Abraham? He said, verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered up Isaac, his son, upon the altar? In other words, if, if Isaac, Abraham said, Yes, I'm willing to give you anything, God. And God says, Well, I'm requiring your son as a type and a shadow of what Jesus would be in the New Testament. But I'm requiring your son. Abraham said, Well, we'll get to that one day and walk away from it and not do it. Well, we'd all say, Well, look, you know, you said you believed, but you didn't do it, so we know you didn't believe. That's what we'd say. And that's what he's, that's the way he's saying it. Verse 22, seest thou then how faith wrought with his works? And by works was his faith made perfect. And it brought the completion to his faith, the action. And the scriptures fulfill what saith, Abraham believed God. It was imputed to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then how that faith by works, a man is justified and not by faith only. It's not just mental assent. It's not just saying, yeah, I believe, but you don't change nothing. I mean, you live your life just like you lived it before. Lived it just like the rest of the world lives. But you said you believed. But, but you didn't change anything. Verse 25. Likewise also when not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way. Again, for the third time we're going to hear it. Verse 26. For as the body... Without the spirit is dead. You have a spirit and soul in your body. When that spirit and soul leaves, your body collapses to the ground is dead. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead as well. And, and so there has to be a corresponding action to what you say that you believe. If you are trusting God, let's say I'm trusting God. And I'm believing God to do something in my life in the air finances. I'm believing God to give me money, you know, to buy a new vehicle or a new car or something like that. And I'm trusting God to do that. And uh, along the way, uh, then while I'm believing God, I say, I know what I'll do. I think I'll go borrow the money and do it. And then I go borrow the money to do it. Then I got out of the faith of God because I let the bank become my source rather than God giving me that vehicle. And so my actions didn't line up with me saying God's going to give me a new car. I'm talking about give. God's going to give me a new car. My we didn't line up with it. A lot, of, a lot of things like that in life. Don't let this be your decision. Everybody makes their own decision. And uh, those kind of things. But that was my big thing during all that COVID stuff. For, for me to be praying in prayer every day and saying that God's Jehovah Rapha. He's a healer of my body and all those kind of And then me walking fear uh, out in public or, or me not going places that I, I can easily go into or do whatever or take these shots they said I had to take and all that kind of, which I didn't. But go out and do all this kind of stuff. It, I just kept saying, why would I be doing that? That's not corresponding action for me. For me, I, I'm believing what God has said to me in his word that I'm healed and I'm whole. 
from the top of my head to my toes. I'm First Peter 2.24 says I am. And if I was, then I am. And so I'm, I'm believing. I'm standing on that. And now you just be very careful. You make up your own mind between you, your doctor, your God, your faith lock, whether you had an experience of receiving from God in the past or not. Make up your own mind. You, you, you make your own choice. I would never, ever put my convictions on someone else to condemn them in any kind of way. You make up your own choice. But we are seeing right now, I read just yesterday, I think 1,500 right now, 1,500 athletes have dropped dead in the last, since they come out with the COVID vaccine. Young men and women, some, who were in excellent shape. That, that stuff's doing something to people's hearts. I mean, it, I don't know. You research it. You study it. You look at it. You make your own decision. Because if I were in a situation, I'm about to die two weeks from now anyway, then I'd probably get the vaccine if I need. I sure would. I'm, I'm dead two weeks anyway. It wouldn't matter, would it? So, I mean, but on the other hand, if other things going well in your body, you're good and healthy and good and strong, and you don't have any issues of life, you, you may consider another option for you. I'm not a medical doctor, but I am someone who put my faith and trust in God, and God has been faithful. God, somebody say, God is faithful. But you study this out. There's this stuff in the world right now going on. I know we see the drag queens and all this stuff and the, the homosexuals and the trying to get into our kids at school and all that kind of stuff. I know that that's there, but there's other stuff going on too. They're trying to kill off a population of people. They're trying to decrease the population of planet Earth. Uh, j just watch it for your own self. Again, make your own decision. I mean, not, not any problem. Don't do what I do. You do what you do between you, your God, your doctor, your physical health as it exists this day, and your experiencing whether you receive from God in a past or not, those kind of things. If you haven't had a relationship of receiving a whole lot from God, uh, you, you may want to lean a little more heavily uh, on some of those things than you would that if you had a track record of you knowing God just coming in and bringing healing in your life. But that's between you and God. So I'm just there. But what I'm saying is whatever it is, let there be a corresponding action. We'll have to pick it up again a little bit more the next time as we get together. Everybody stand with me in the house. Stand with me in the house. I've got a note right here. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Harmony in the service now. There is harmony. Bring harmony down. Bring harmony down. We're going to pray for harmony. And Shirley, I want you to come help me pray. I want you to come help me pray as well. Because I know that you received a healing of a lump before. And we have a, a, a diagnosis. And, and, and we respect doctors. We go to doctors. We do everything we're supposed to do. We don't do crazy, stupid stuff. We, we act right with our physical bodies. She and I get physicals every year. And, and, you know, and we honor the medical profession. And everything is good and everything is right. So don't, don't, don't think we do not. We do. But God can do far more than what they can do. And they, with their best evidence, their tests, their exams, they, they say uh, Harmony has uh, a little lump in her little breast right here. And uh, that's what they said to you? Okay. And so we're going to believe God to take it out of her and to heal her in the name of Jesus. Stretch your hand this way. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we stretch our hands toward harmony just now, Father. Thank you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, you are harmony's healer. And we thank you, Lord God. We receive this day her healing in the name of Jesus. 
We stretch forth our hand to her in the name of the Lord. We curse this thing that's in her body. Command it to leave her and go from her now in the name of Jesus. Command it to leave and dissolve in the name of Jesus. And any kind of spiritual thing that has brought that there in the name of the Lord is cursed. Command it to leave and go away from her in the name of Jesus. Healing in her body from her head to her toe. And Lord God, complete wholeness in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we believe. And we thank you, Lord. In the wonderful name of Jesus, he is our healer. Isn't that right, Harmony? Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Come here, come here. Okay, okay. Okay. All right. Stretch your hands toward heaven, everybody. Say, Father God, I give you praise. I give you glory. Thank you, Lord God, because you love us so much. We sure do love you. We give our lives to you. Anything inside of our heart. Our minds, our spirit, not like Jesus, take it away. Wash us with your blood, and we thank you for your righteousness that cleanses us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody says amen. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.